Engaging Leader, Episode 194, Engaging Generations, Part 1, How Millennials and Generation Z Are Reshaping Workforce Communications, featuring my son and colleague, J.J. Leahy. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. With four very different generations making up today's workforce, how do you effectively engage them all? In particular, a frequent question we receive is how to communicate with younger employees. Today's workforce is made up primarily of four generations, baby boomers, Generation X, Gen Y, also known as millennials, and Generation Z, which is sometimes called post-millennials. The two younger generations have been driving huge shifts in how people communicate in the workplace. Now, as a leader, how do you connect with younger employees? Well, this episode is going to help you get started by understanding their values as well as their communication habits and preferences. And then part two, we'll get into some specific principles and tips that are effective in this new era of communication. Now, we've got good news for you. We've got a father-son podcast going on today. Our guest is my colleague and son, J.J. Leahy. His age and experience in both internal and external communications make him a great person to discuss this topic. He and I have had some previous chats about this, and um, it's just, a, I think, a fascinating topic to discuss together. J.J. is a communications professional who specializes in graphic design, video production, and web design, and he works on our team at Workforce Communication as well as in the marketing and advertising department of Sunfrog, which is a large t-shirt manufacturer. He's among the very youngest of the millennials, right on the border of generations Y and Z. And he's done a lot of observing, reading, and experimenting with engaging both of those generations. J.J. Leahy, welcome to Engaging Leader. Hey, thanks for having me, Dad. We're really glad to have you on the show today. We're going to learn from you about how to reach the younger generations in particular and gleaning from your experience, both working with us at Workforce Communication, as well as you have a large role with an online t-shirt company. So you're doing marketing and advertising directly to consumers and you're finding out what works and what doesn't work with different types of advertising, different communication modes and you're getting real-time business results and seeing, yeah, this is this works or this doesn't work. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit. But first, let's talk about what uh, the generations, the current generations are who are in the workplace. Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of riding the, uh, the cusp between uh, the millennials, Generation Y, and the as-of-yet unnamed Gen Z. So um, really... Really close to uh, the the borderline there between the two. Uh, I was born in '95, and the uh, the cutoff for the millennials is right about anywhere from '95 to maybe '98, depending on who you ask. So, um, I'm right right there on the border. A lot of attention was drawn to the fact that the millennial generation, Gen Y, is actually even larger than the baby boom. Yes. Baby boom is currently about 75 million people. That's 23% of the population. Well, there's a there's also there's a certain group of people who are excited about that because uh, when it comes to um, stuff like Social Security, there was a you know a real um, concern 
that Gen X was so much smaller than the baby boomers. And so uh, there's a bit of this fear of, man, you know, how are how are we going to support this uh, uh, this generation as they are um, you know, really starting to get to retirement age. And so then the millennials came along and really dwarfed the baby boomers. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a saving grace there. Uh, and, and Gen Z is pretty big as well. Um, definitely, uh, definitely larger than, uh, Gen X. Both of those are, are even larger than the baby boom as well. So if baby boom is 75 million people, millennials are 90 million but Gen Z is 85 million. It's still considerably bigger than even the baby boom. And those numbers change a little bit too, depending on where you cut off the millennials and Gen Z. I, I've I've definitely have seen some numbers that put um, millennials at over 100 million. Wow. So millennials, they were born generally, let's say between 81 and 97. So they're from early 20s up until their late 30s right now. And Gen Z is sort of between born between 98 and 2018. So they're uh, the oldest of them are 22, 23, kind of in there. Yeah. And there's also a bit of a misconception, um, largely, I think, due to the fact that the millennial generation was only just recently named. Um, So they're kind of at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. So there's a definite tendency um, among older generations to refer to all young people as millennials. And there are some different things that often, you know, kind of make headlines, um, you know, associated with millennials, particularly some different, um, you know, activity on college campuses and stuff that really gets kind of broadly attributed to millennials. But the misconception there is that for the most part, your average millennial is already out of college and in the workforce. And really it's, it's Gen Z that is, um, that is in college and in high school. So, um, there's, the millennials have a a bit of a reputation attached to them. That's not really, uh, their fault. (laughs) Although, you know, I, I, I don't want to let them off the hook entirely because there's uh, definitely a lot of uh, weird stuff that they've done that, uh, you know, has uh, really colored their their reputation. But, you know, as someone who is kind of trying to uh, uh, claim ownership of of millennial, some of some of the stuff that, uh, you know, makes headlines really is Gen Z. And, and it's an important distinction um, when you're trying to communicate with the millennials versus Gen Z because they really were raised a little bit differently. And so they consume media a little bit differently. And, and the messages that you're trying to send to them, what works for millennials doesn't necessarily work for Gen Z. So you kind of got to know your target age range that you're trying to um, communicate with. So a couple observations that I would have on what you just said. Number one is that I would say every generation in, in the 20th century, probably 20 and 21st century, has uh, has had its negative stereotypes when they were young. I mean, baby boomers were heavily criticized when they were in their teenage and 20s. Uh, and Gen X, is, which is my generation, we were called the generation slacker when we were in college and graduating from college. 
And so that part of that is just the typical rites of passage, I guess, that we go through. And a second point is that I think you're you're raising a, a point that a lot of a lot of Gen Xers and Boomers make grand assumptions about. They think like all young people are millennials, and that the people who are graduating from college right now, which let's just be clear, those are Gen Z, not millennials. The people who are graduating from college right now, they that's a different generation. They're going to have some differences, they're not going to be the same as what we've sort of grown used to with millennials. And, and there's some distinct differences. And so we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. But we are making gro- sort of gross generalizations. These are, yes. n- not everybody's the same in, in each of these generations. Well, and one huge thing that uh, really affects this is, so I'm, I would be, you know, one of the very youngest of the millennials. So some stuff that I grew up with really applies a lot more to Gen Z and not to the millennials. So you know, you usually think of uh, uh, social media and cell phones and stuff, and that's all millennial stuff. Well, sure, if you're looking at the very tail end, you know, which is where I grew up, you know, uh, Facebook's been around for uh, a decade now. And for the last decade, most everybody has had a, a smartphone, um, you know, at, at all times. But really, that is something that is colored Gen Z. And the millennials, that was uh, just a largely a part of their young adult life. Yeah, not their not their childhood years and not their high school years as much. So when you compare the two, like on that point, I've I've heard millennials described they were mobile pioneers. They were the first to really jump on board with with uh, smartphones, but that really was only starting a little over a decade ago. I think the first iPhone was 2007. Mhm. And Gen Z is the one, they're the true digital natives. One of the interesting things about, um, so millennials typically were raised by baby boomers and Gen Z was typically raised by Gen Xers. The childhood of millennials was characterized by a a sustained economic boom, whereas uh, Gen Z in their earliest years, there was recession going on. And so you tend to see millennials that as a generation, they sort of have this personality of being idealistic focused on having experiences, whereas Gen Z tends to be more pragmatic and is focused on saving money. Gen Z, in, in a, a kind of a weird twist here, Gen Z largely doesn't remember 9-11. A lot of them were born after it or, you know, they were extremely young when 9-11 happened. Um, and actually, now obviously there's a huge overgeneralization, but most of the Gen Z, you know, people that I know, in real life, most of them don't really remember before uh, Obama's presidency. Some of them remember uh, Bush being president, but by and large, a lot of them were young enough that they didn't really care a ton who was president at that point, and you know, only really started um, paying attention to um, uh, national politics and stuff when Obama was on the scene. So it's you know, a really just a very different world uh, that they grew up in here. Yeah, and the. One of the things that leads to that affects communication, this is kind of before we get into topics of what does the communication look like, is what does the communication feel like? Talk to us about authenticity. I think one of the quickest ways to turn off a millennial or somebody who's Gen Z is to make them feel like you're taking them for a ride. You know, if you're gimmicky or if they feel that there is uh, an agenda behind what you're selling them, you're going to lose their interest pretty quick. So uh, in terms of authenticity, a lot of the times, especially when you're communicating with Gen Y, 
it's it's kind of better to you know not bury the lead and just tell them up front what you're trying to sell them uh and then at that point just kind of keep it brief and simple and a lot of them are going to tend to uh to respect your message a lot more for that rather than if you're if you're trying to sell a message disguised as something else uh which you know it has long been a big part of marketing you know but it's something that is starting to get phased out a little bit here so more straightforward is it comes across as being more honest. Yeah, and and that goes a long way. Uh, it really does. What's what would that look like? Let let's say in the terms of advertising. If, if let's say you you were a you know you were an influencer, you're a, a paid advertiser, a paid spokesperson. Well, uh, to give you an example, um, a bunch of um, a bunch of paid influencers, uh, particularly like YouTubers, a lot of the time they can come across as being really authentic. You know, let, let's say that, uh, you know, Gatorade is paying me um, to promote their brand. If I just come out and say, hey, guys, uh, Gatorade, you know, I got Gatorade as a new sponsor. And this is actually really awesome because I've always loved Gatorade. And in fact, um, I approached them uh, initially and, and suggested the sponsorship. So this is great because I love Gatorade and now I'm getting paid to tell you about it. As opposed to, you know, if I just, you know, start drinking Gatorade when I'm on the, uh, on the camera all the time and, you know, don't mention that I'm getting paid for it and, you know, just randomly, you know, throw it in, in, uh, kind of manufactured context without disclosing, um, you know, then when it comes out that I'm taking money from them makes me look pretty bad and, uh, makes me come across as pretty disingenuous and most people get it. They understand, look, you know, uh, you gotta get, gotta get paid somehow. Uh, you gotta, you know, if you want to, if, if we want you to keep providing this content for us that we like, we know you got to make a living. So, you know, might as well just be honest with us and straightforward. Yeah. That's counterintuitive for a lot of people, but it does, it's, it's refreshing to be straight, to just hear that sort of straightforward approach. You know, another, um, another thing to keep in mind is overselling um, your, your product and its features, uh, is not, um, is not something that is going to give you a great reputation. You know, if you think the, you know, the, the stereotype of the old salesman, you know, oh, I got this snake oil here and it's going to, uh, cure your gout and, uh, make you a foot taller, <laughs> you know, that the, the modern day equivalent of that is overselling your product and its services and, uh, it's something that it can't actually do. And the, you know, the more, the more humble and transparent you are, uh, you know, it's it, some, sometimes with, um, businesses today, it's a little more effective to be transparent at the risk of, you know, kind of disclosing, Hey, we're not perfect. And here's some mistakes we made. If you have that transparency though, and say, Hey, look, you know, here's how we're trying to, uh, fix it and, and, and improve and learn from our mistakes. That goes a long, long way. Uh, with these younger younger generations, you know, the appearance of perfection is um, really does not uh, hold a candle to uh, being transparent and and authentic. And that goes a long way in leader leadership too. When the leader can just own mistakes, can be transparent about feelings and frustrations, and just hey, we're not perfect, but I'm still really excited about the direction we're going. We're going to do great things together. That type of authenticity is really important. It really helps build rapport uh, with with the people who are following you, whether those are employees or 
um, you know, whether you're a, a you know, an, any kind of an influencer like an author or a speaker, uh, that that authentic authenticity really is going to help uh, build trust with your audience or 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 your employees. So the the latest data is showing that all generations. I'm talking kind of shifting over now to how the different generations like to communicate. And, and all the generations are using social media. So to say that, you know, Gen Z uses social media, that's new, or millennials use social media. I mean, even two-thirds of baby boomers use social media. Um, and 88% of the youngest generation, Gen Z, uses social media. So the vast majority are on social media. 91% of social media users do it through mobile. So social media and and mobile are really important. But um, what specific types of, the, the, the way the generations use them are different. What, what have you been finding in, that, that seems to make a difference when, in actually influencing them? Well, first of all, there's a bit of a, a bit of a message that's being put out there that, oh, Facebook is dying and it's on its way out. I don't think that's really true. Pretty much everybody has a Facebook but in you know the the value of trying to communicate on Facebook or advertise on Facebook um, is going to come down a lot more to the age range you're trying to reach. So uh, the numbers are, show pretty overwhelmingly that young people don't spend very much time on Facebook, and it's not um, so much their their go to. It really, they they have it for the same reason that most of them have email, which is well, you got to have one of these um, because there's a lot of integrations that require it. There's a lot of um, mm. you know situations where this is you know this is the most universal way to connect with somebody if you need to. Um, but with the younger generations, particularly Gen Z, Instagram is huge right now. Um, Anytime that I talk, especially high schoolers, anytime I talk to a high schooler, they all, and, and I, at first I thought it was just girls, but it really is guys and girls. They're all on Instagram. Um, that's their, their go-to. Um, you know, it, Facebook bought Instagram, I think in 2013 for a billion dollars. <laughs> and a lot of people were like, wow, that can't believe you <laughs> can't believe that they thought this was a good investment. And it really has paid off huge. You know, Instagram is, um, you know, in terms of the kind of engagement they're getting from young people, uh, really dwarfs Facebook and, uh, they've managed it well too. Their Instagram is really, um, competing heavily with Snapchat. You know, most of the, um, features that, uh, that, teens and, and young people really like about Snapchat has been ported over to Instagram and you're getting a lot of the same kind of content. Um, and you know, to, and to kind of break down what that looks like the, the, really the big thing is stories. Um, it's called a story. It's, uh, only available for 24 hours. You, you post it. It's, you know, there, there's a rolling, you know, 24 hour window where stuff starts dropping off. And so somebody will open up their Instagram and up the, across the top, they'll have, you know, the name and picture of their friends. And so you can say, hey, I wonder what uh, Jesse was up to. Uh, click on Jesse and it's going to show you the stuff he's posted in the last 24 hours. And as soon as that's done, it sends you off to your next friend. You get to see what the, what the next person was up to. And um, 
this has kind of just become the preferred um, way that a lot of young people really like to consume their social media. It's it's really quick. Um, There's not a lot of um, time or detail that goes into it. It's just bite-sized information um, and very visual. You know, you just get to see here's a picture or a video of what somebody was doing. And then, you know, before you know it, boop, we've moved on to the next person. So there's uh, really that that nugget sized information, um, you know, really uh, ha- has shaped the way that uh, young people um, are are spending their their time and their attention. So a very short attention span. We're talking like eight to 12 seconds in there, depending on the age group. And um, that, I, I guess that there's that urgency, right? It's a, if it's only there for 24 hours, I, I gotta look before I before it disappears. Yeah, and they and and they they like to feel like they're staying current, you know, and mm. keep up to date. Um, and so some news organizations are taking advantage of this, and they are putting together, hey, here's what happened in the news in the last 24 hours, and we're gonna give it to you bite sized each story. Instead of spending, you know, uh, 15 or 30 or 60 seconds on each story, uh, new story, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do four or five seconds, um, or, you know, eight or nine at kind of the longer end and just kind of sum up, you know, here's what happened with who, um, you know, and just roll through the whole thing in the entire 24 hour news cycle there, um, is rattled off in about 40 to 50 seconds max. And, you know, there you go. The young people have their their scoop of the day and, and now they're moving on to the next thing in their life. It's just amazing. The so so small so bite sized information, assume that they have a very fleeting attention span. Oversimplified. Yeah. Okay, oversimplified, highly visual. How, what about video? Like we're seeing that among Gen Z, they watch on average more than two hours of YouTube daily and two thirds of them use YouTube to find how to information. Yeah, that's a huge thing. I mean, I, I'll be honest, that's, you know, describes me pretty well. Uh, I usually YouTube is going to be my, one of my go-tos. Um, if, if I'm trying to learn a new skill or, Hey, you know, this, this, um, thing I'm trying to do isn't working. Somebody out there I'm sure has run into this problem before. So let me go find a, a how to guide. And the, uh, I'll tell you what, what people look for, is um, short. The shorter the video, the better. You know, if you can find you know how-to guide that's two minutes or less, you're going to be a lot more likely to click on that than the one right next to it that's ten or fifteen minutes long. Wow, that's going to wrap up part one of this conversation when we talked about communication preferences and just kind of understanding these younger generations. In part two, we're going to talk about some ways to actually then leverage what we know about how the younger generations prefer to communicate and how leaders can take advantage of that. JJ, thanks for joining us today, and we'll look forward to part two. Thanks for having me. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. Don't miss part two of this conversation as JJ and I talk about some specific principles and tips for communicating with the younger generations. And we'll provide JJ's contact information on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 194 as in episode 194. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We are a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. My colleagues and I partner with mid-sides and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results. 
in several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at workforcecommunication.com. Our thanks to Cecily Leahy, our producer, James Marler, our sound engineer, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. <laughs>